If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Kristen Clausen. Kristen has been trained in the classical dressage system and now she's working in a dressage system as a rider, trainer, coach, coach educator and judge. How are you today, Kristen? I'm well, thank you, Glenis. How are you? Look, I'm fantastic. Yeah, really good talking to you. Let's start off the interview with how you started with horses. I started with horses through the inspiration of my mother Mm -hmm. at a very young age. I think she preferred horses to working with kids, so my brother (laughs) and I were put in front of her and taken around the trails on she bred thoroughbreds at the time. Yep. And then we got lunged on the horses, I think because as well she needed to work the horses and we were there. <laughs> so we busy. got popped yep. on. Yep. And yeah, and then she started coaching me. I started in lessons when I was three with her and with her instructor when I was five. So it was very young. I was like six months old and sitting on horses. So I think that was <laughs> I was put on the trajectory of riding from yep, an early yep, age. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're doing a lot now with, you know, coaching and judging and training and everything else. We talk about core skills or personality traits because as horse people, we're a special breed. What do you think are the core Mm -hmm. skills that someone needs to be successful in the industry and to be able to make a career or a profession or earn an income within the horse industry? I am going to start with energy. Okay. (laughs) Because it takes so much energy to do everything that we do. I think that, you know, some people come home, some of my grooms come home at the end of a long day and I've done half of what I would do and they're exhausted by it. Now I have a lot more endurance than they do as well, but. So endurance you think is another key? Yeah, endurance and energy. But I think the main thing that will set someone apart is the person, the drive and the perseverance to find a solution when the solution seems very elusive, you know, to just continue to try. So, you know, we work in great areas. We work alone. We work with an animal that can't communicate verbally. And yet we come from a world where a lot of our communication is verbal. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of what we take as truth is verbal. And I think it's the perseverance to continue trying to seek a solution. You know, if I see something in a horse and I go, oh, what was that? I don't know exactly what that was. There was a bind that one leg hitched, the transition didn't work for, what was that? Let's see it again. Okay, why? You know, and I'll continue to feel into it and to try and find a solution to, or or even maybe identification of problem is where I'm going with this. But the drive to want to do that, you know, to want to do that day after day after day with, you know, six to eight horses a day mm, <laughs> that are all mm, different. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Now, the classical system that you were trained in, the classical dressage system, can you tell me a little bit about that? How, first of all, tell me the difference between 
the classical system you're trained in and the judging system, you know, just the primary differences, just so that we've got a bit of an idea. And then I'd like you to go on and tell me how you were trained in that system about the steps that you took. Yep. The primary difference between classical and we'll call it competitive, mm-hmm. the systems or the German system being the competitive system, you know, is the formula in which you go about getting to the top. So the classical system will say lightness, straightness, and then you go forward. And a lot of the work can be done at halt where the contact is very through, the connection is established from the hind end to the bridle prior to going forward. And the competitive system or the German system rides the horses forward, gets them straight, and then gets lightness and balance through forward. So one uses a bit more momentum, you know, the young horse that's moving around, where in the classical system, you won't see the horses so much going forward. You'll see them moving laterally. You'll see often passage being taught from a very young age, a lot more longitudinal balance being being set back. And even the warm-ups vary, you know, the warm-ups for the competitive system is very much forward, walking around, walking on a free rein, and the classical person will come in and start engage work almost mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. So those are the two primary differences, if you will, is the order in which things are done. But the end result on both should be the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think there's quite a few different ways, and not just with the training or the, you know, training dressage, but there's quite a few different ways. There's different ways to teach a rider. There's different ways to teach horses. There's different ways to look after horses. And I think if we can appreciate and respect each way, we can learn quite a lot from um, just looking at different methods, different systems. Yeah. Absolutely. So many variations along the way. Yes. Oh, very much so. And we don't know that we're on the right path or the wrong path, but we've just got to keep exploring all the paths and do the ones that we feel are right. Keep trying. Mm, mm. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Now, talking about the system that your mother used, you know, putting you on the horses because she had to work the horses and she had to keep you under control. How did you end up going on? Yeah, I think it was a very unique system for parents. Yeah, how did she? Yeah. How did you, you go on from there? Mom's parenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because you've gone on and done quite a lot. But what were the steps? You know, you didn't just go from being lunged on a pony to being Grand Prix in the classical system. <laughs> no. Yeah. And she, we were lunged on like sixteen two hand off the track thoroughbreds as well. Oh, okay. Go mom. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't just ponies. I did get a were, pony. Yeah. I, I think I got a pony when I was six or seven and it was like, oh, look, a horse my size. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I grew up riding all of my, I grew up in an equestrian area in Southern California. So we had horse trails behind all of the houses and all of the kids, you know, we would go swimming in summer and we'd throw the towel over the horse and yeehaw around the trails. And I probably did every discipline that you can possibly think of. You know, we did polo cross, for goodness sakes, in California mm-hmm. and brought in rackets and balls and everything from Australia. It was great. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I rode everything that you could ride. I rode every type of horse that you could ride. And I suppose, you know, in it was, there was never a decision per se in, okay, now I'm going to ride. Especially, I wanted to ride. I wanted to ride more horses. We only had when I was entering into my early teens, my mom had sold off most of the horses and stopped breeding. And I wanted more horses to ride. You know, everybody says the way you get better is is numbers. Mm. So I was always looking for more horses and exploring different avenues. And I got an offer to become a young rider at 14 for a Dutch warm blood stable. And they were bringing in some really, really nice horses into the U.S. And one of the first people that were doing that. So I started 
there as a young rider, and that gave me quite a lot of exposure. You know, more numbers, mm. more types of horses, more yep. horses at different ages. You know, uh-huh. I mean, they were imported from Europe at the top levels, and they came in, and then they had bred some as well. So we had young horses that were coming through the ranks too. So, but in in saying that, when I was working with them, I kept getting asked for asked to help other people, you know, neighbors, everybody had horses. So mm. it was just, you know, what's happening here and can you help with this? And I wanted to. So I kept doing it. And so then I started teaching, you know, you'd help someone for a minute yes. and then you'd go, well, that's not good enough. Now I've, or I'd train their horse for a little bit and then hand it back to them, but they wouldn't have the user's manual. So, mm. you know, then I started coaching. So by the time I was 16, I was working riding as a young rider at 14 and then sort of started coaching about 16 and, you know, and trying to manage. And I had a lot of ambition and energy. So mm-hmm. I was up at really early hours and riding before school and coming home and riding after school and, you know, having horses tied up so that I could eat dinner and then go back and ride them again in the evening. Yeah. And I wanted it. You know, I really had a major interest in doing it and the drive to do it. And what about when you first left school? Did your teachers have plans for you or did you just say, no, I'm doing horses, I'm already doing all right with them and I'll just keep going with it? What was the story there? I come from, my mother's a scientist and a mathematician and so was my brother and my father's landscape architect and the artistic side and I'm afraid that I went to art school. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, you will have to go to university. And we were quite pushed academically. So I graduated high school in three years, a four-year system. and yep. Which is pretty good considering the amount of horses that you were riding while you were getting pushed through high school. So good. Yeah. yeah. The, the that I grew up in was really great and that I got credit, high school credit for my riding okay. as well. So yep. like that was my athletics. I mean, I did track and field a bit when that season was on, mm. but it was, it was quite flexible to allow me a lot of opportunity, but I went off to university. I didn't ride for probably a year of the start of my university. And I went to two, two universities. So the first one, I didn't ride at all. The second one, I started riding, and that was in Pasadena, which is where Flint Ridge Riding School is, mm-hmm. and that's a, a real hot spot for riding Yep, around the east side of L.A. Yep. I started riding there, and I didn't have the community around me that I was used to, and I was mm-hmm. trainerless, and I was looking around for what to do, and I didn't have the money to pay for a lesson that said trot now and walk now and do a 20-meter circle, and I wanted something that taught me how to train my horses. But at the time I was an inventor, I was not a dressage rider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found the trainer that ended up taking me to Grand Prix. His name was Bill Biggs. And okay. he had, he had gone through the competitive system and then went classical. And then he was German trained. So he had been placed over in Germany during the war and went through the German system, but also qualified for the Olympics. Fascinating man. Qualified for the Olympics on a jumping horse. <laughs> And the U.S. boycotted that Olympics. It was the Moscow Games. Yep. And then four years later, he qualified on the same horse for dressage. Okay. He was a very interesting man. And yep. through him, I had to learn a lot more. He made me study everything there was to know about every art. So he said, if you're going to master one, you have to have knowledge of all of them. So okay. I had to read <laughs> everything you can imagine and learn more about art and music and everything through yes, yep. his system. Yep. So while you're, while you're at uni, good. you're doing that as well. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, now you've talked yeah. about Bill, Bill being an influence. Who else has been an influence? 
I must give that to my mother. My mother has okay. been the greatest inspiration yep. for everything that I do. And, you know, and she's still my founding board. We co-own a horse here together. She just is one of those amazing people that it doesn't matter how good something is. There's always a better to it. And she's yes. like, well, what if you changed it to this? Or what if you kept trying and made that, you know, and in that way, I'm, I am, or she is always raising my bar, you know, where there's always something more that can be done and it can be done with more kindness, with creating a better animal, with more comfort Mm -hmm. overall for the Mm -hmm. horse. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then what about horses? Who do you think have been the main horses that have influenced you? I had the most amazing horse. So as I was saying, I went professional really, really young. Yep. And so I grew up with a string of horses, my mom's horses, and then we had running quarter horses, which is a quarter thoroughbred. They're the ones that race in the U.S. And it was, you know, we didn't have a lot of warm bloods around. This is early 80s. So there weren't a lot of warm bloods in California. And those that there were, you know, it was a lot of money to import them. Mm, So mm, they were mm, worth a pretty penny. You didn't buy them for mm -hmm, (laughs) 10-year-olds. So I grew up on, you know, these types of horses that my mom was choosing that, you know, could do something. And she was classically trained as best we could find at that time. The trainer that she worked with and that I ended up working with was from France. But there wasn't a lot of dressage around at all. Mm -hmm. And my horse, I think his, I don't remember his name, but we called him Joe. That was mm-hmm. his stable name. Yep. And he had injured a leg and it was coming into summer. And my mom was like, oh, it's summer and you can't be without a horse. You know, we just can't do that to a, yeah, yeah. Like a 13 at the time. She was like, yeah. I can't do that to a 13 year old. We have to get you a horse. Mm-hmm. So we went off looking and I found this amazing Galloway pony. And I was like, this is what I want. Yep. You know, I'm going to hoon it all over the trails. It's going to be so much fun. This is great. My friends are going to love it. It's Roan or Buckskin or some. Mm. Pretty so pretty, pretty horse and I was as like, well. This is it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. And my mom went, "No, that is not your horse." And I was devastated. And she bought me this eighteen. We thought it was sixteen. He ended up being eighteen or nineteen. He was a schoolmaster. He was a bay pinto. I thought it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was a tricolored pinto. I was like, "You must be joking." I can't be seen on that. <laughs> But he had done everything. He had done the A circuit, which is our big hunter jumper circuit in the States. Mm -hmm. He'd done a bit of dressage. He had done everything there was to do and was quite happy to do everything for me if I asked correctly and my intent was in the right place. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't, he simply wouldn't. So he taught me how to be sensitive, to read every situation and to really start to look into myself and be more self-aware of what I was giving off. I think, you know, as a young girl, I wasn't necessarily that competitive, but it was all about having fun with my friends more than it was being there as a partner for my horse when we did things. Mm -hmm. And he really taught me that if I wasn't there for him, then he wasn't going to do it. You know, we were in this together and I had to step up. Okay. So he was just brilliant. He was such a great horse. Yeah. Yeah, so good and good learning horse for you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. What do you think your proudest moment's been? I think I have one of my proudest moments probably every month, you know. I just I suppose in that way that I'm always striving to do better. I'm yep. always also so happy and so satisfied. I mean, I'll have horses. I have a young horse right now who's four who I have just started conditioning. I do a lot of fitness work with my horses. So they do interval training, mm-hmm. even though they're dressage horses, they do <laughs> interval training at a big sloping paddock. And, yep. you know, I took her out there for the first time and she did it all. And I'm just 
absolutely glowing and ecstatic when we walk back. You know, her foundation has prepared her to go out there and canter up and down. You know, I do diamond shapes or zigzags up and down the hills and that she has the balance to do it in the preparation she's had, you know, and, um, I mean, I own three horses right now that are mine and then I've got clients horses in and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just every week or every month I'll come back and go, this is why I do it. This is just absolutely amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll get through to a horse, you'll communicate something and the horse will finally say, oh my gosh, I get it. And, and it's really safe and comfortable and I can become confident doing this. And I understand exactly what's being asked of me. And it's like, oh, it's just, you know, I mean, Every one of those that I get, I just glow and I'm good. so excited. Good, good. Yeah. 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 And it's nice to have those proud moments all the time, isn't it? Continuous. Just, and you know, there's another one just around the corner. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I try and teach a lot with timing is so much of how a rider becomes better. And, mm. I, and I'd love to say it's the timing of the application of the aid, but the more and more I learn, I think it's the timing of the release of the aid. Yeah. And, yep. The release of the aid with the reward, you know, we do train mm. on negative reinforcement, mm. most of us, and it's to release that aid and then to say, and to release it in a way that I want the horse, I want to see in the horse's eye that they know they've done the right thing upon mm. my release of the aid. Mm. Mm. You know, teaching them how to learn, but also how to be proud and how to glow and how to take responsibility yep. for what they're producing. Yep. yep. Be really proud of that. Yep. No, I really get yeah. that. Really get that. All right. Now you've told us about the proudest moment or moments or many, many moments, what's been your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge is, is probably keeping, you know, working in a competitive system and I'm measured against the competitive system. I train, I coach, and I judge all in the competitive system. Mm-hmm. And yet my foundation is the classical dressage training. Yep. And I think one of those, the bridge between that or the, the, philosophy that I take into the training is to go after whatever is the fundamental problem, not the symptom, but the fundamental problem. And to have the confidence and be brave enough to step back to that level. You know, Mm -hmm. if I have a horse that I'm working on right now, longitudinal balance with her, she comes into the Piaf Passage work. And, you know, to say she has Piaf and Passage and not to ride the Piaf and Passage and to make it better, you know, and to go, oh, okay, I'm going to improve this with this aid or by tweaking this a little bit or, you know, same thing. So we're working pirouettes, whatever it's, you know, there's the slightest little thing that you can do that can make something better, but there's a fundamental problem in that the energy isn't being created enough. So to take and go back to halt and walk mm-hmm. <laughs> and to create that balance and that real energy and that real in front of the legness and then to go okay and from that the piano should come without the application of so many aids you know it's not it's not learning how to apply aids to make it it's simply allowing it to come through and to step to think that you're going to go into a lesson or a training day (laughs) with all of these ideas of what you're going to be working on and then end up coming out of it going i did walk for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the humility that comes, yeah, that comes from that. You know, I think that that's still, and I know it, you know, and we, we all know it. We all know we have to go back to those places. And yet to have the bravery to take that step back, you know, to say yeah. I have a competition on Sunday and it's Thursday and I really need to be ironing out any kinks in the test today. And instead... Yeah. I'm taking this complete giant step back and I trust that this is going to get me 
to where I need to be. Yes. To show the best of what I have on my deck. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now you've done quite a bit of traveling because you were saying about, you know, you're looking for following the classical system. You'd done a bit of traveling, you'd work with a few different people there. Can you tell me the biggest lessons that you learned with different peoples? You know, you might have gone to someone and thought, Rao, I've worked with them for a while. This is the biggest lesson that I've got from them. I'm not sure that I put it in so few words. And I think probably the lessons are more in the feel of the horses. Mm -hmm. So most of my travels, I didn't take my horses. So, you know, you're riding someone else's horses and you would get on a horse and it's not so much what the person is telling me. And a lot of my travels as well, I was the coach. So I did a lot of traveling in developing countries mm-hmm. and you end up going in and they, they find out a bit of your background and ask you to stay and <laughs> yep. give some lessons instead. But, but in all of it, you know, there's just so many amazing people and amazing stories. And I think the, the biggest lesson in all of it for me was to allow that much of who you are and your personality through to your training. I think a lot of times we see something that we like and we try and become that thing. And I don't know that that's a recipe for success. You know, I tell my students that I'm successful when my students surpass me, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be the end. This sport must evolve. Mm -hmm. I want to create things that are better than me. And I don't, whilst I can show them my way, it's not theirs until it becomes them through it, Mm -hmm. through and through. Mm-hmm. I think it took me a long time to trust myself enough to put mm-hmm. my personality and my stamp through to things and not just to try and recreate okay. what I had seen someone else creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thinking about your students, just tell me a common challenge that they might have, but also then, you know, that you need to come in as a coach then and correct it or show them or teach them. What have you got there? You know, just something that you should, you, something that you may have seen others do that you think is a common problem. This is for our listeners, so that they can just test it for them and say, "Well, is that a challenge for me?" And you know, taking Kristen's view on how what I can do to fix this challenge. Yeah, I think as a judge, and I work, you know, regionally around Australia. We I do a little bit of international judging. Mm. And then I do our, our larger events in, in you know, capital cities. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the the lower level judging, the big thing that we all see, and I think this will be across the board, is flexion and bend. There seems to be a slight misunderstanding of flexion and bend and the suppleness that we're looking for laterally. And then longitudinally, of course, as well, with you know, a yep. lot of these horses that can't can't learn to sit, you know, can't supple, can't keep their back up swinging mm-hmm. when they start to come up. But the lateral bends are tested. You know, look at what each test is testing and fulfill the criteria for that test. So, you know, even in your prep test, you're testing your lateral supplement. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you come around a corner and your quarters are swinging or your horse is overbent in the neck and the pole isn't actually flexing through or the nose tilts, mm. you know, look for those things and look as you come around a circle, you know, and everyone can do this, we can all sit on a horse and we can turn on a circle mm. and you can say, are the ears actually on the circle track? You know, they're not going straight. They're not counterflexed. What are my ears doing? What's the 
crown piece of my bridle doing? Where's the horse's nose sitting from underneath those ears? Mm. And that's a big, I think that's probably, if I'm doing a protocol day, that's one of the biggest corrections that I make. Okay. And tempo, you know, riding the tempo that the horse can best showcase the expression of its own paces. But I do want to work with young riders as well. And in the young rider work, the thing that I'm predominantly working on the most is feel. And I think we all come, I mean, this is the most amazing industry in the world to me because we learn how to control our energy. You know, if you have self-awareness, you can use your energy at a horse and get it to rein back. You can draw a horse into you by coming backwards a bit. You know, all of the in-hand liberty, whatever you want to call it work, horsemanship work that we do, we learn how to do all these things. We learn Mm. how to move horses. We we learn how to go around dogs that's in the middle of the path because we don't want to ask it to get up. You know, we move our horses and us around it. Or there's a stone in the trail and you're walking your horse and you say to the horse, don't trip over that stone that's in your path. And the horse lifts its leg over it. You know, we learn how Mm. to communicate in this amazingly energetic way that we don't use otherwise in life. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty horsey. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I may not be in those other areas in life in which we would use it. But I try to say to the young riders, and they're used to their parents telling them what to do and their teachers telling them what to do. We all have an instinct, a response that comes in that says, I like or I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And I try to give the confidence to the younger person to say, recognize that. Listen to that. Listen to that feel. When you're riding that trot and the back starts swinging and it starts getting a little bit more expression and a little bit more uphill and you go, this is exciting and I'm getting a bit of a tingle, but I know I'm supposed to be on a 20-meter circle or a shoulder in or whatever I'm supposed to be doing, so I'm going to come out of it. You know, it's like maybe take that time and learn that thing. Or when you're sitting on that horse in the back tenses and you go, ooh, I don't... I don't know if I really want to be here right now. You know, listen to that and Mm -hmm. change it, make it better. And Mm -hmm. and that's where the perseverance that I spoke on earlier comes into, you know, we all know that we can supple the rib cage by bending a horse and by putting a horse on a bend, by asking the question until we get the response that we desire. So don't stop asking because your question isn't appropriate. Keep asking questions to get the answer that you want. Okay. Or ask the same question and trust that that question is right. Bluff yourself, bluff the horse that you <laughs> you are correct and continue. You know, using kindness as your gauge. And confidence, yeah. 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 So, okay. You know, I mean, I think anytime we cross the line and we go against the horse or we respond with anger or fear or anything like that, you have to, you have, to have a shut off there yeah. and go, okay. Yeah. I've lost my center. So mm-hmm, always, mm-hmm. you know, keep that as your primary. Yep. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. All right. Now, what are you looking forward to? What's your future hold? Goodness, that's a tough one, isn't it? (laughs) I'm enjoying, I'm still, I'm riding, I'm competing, I'm judging, I'm traveling a lot, I'm riding clients' horses. I have some amazing horses. I've 
working with some young riders that are really talented and have got some really nice horses as well. So it's just continuing mm, mm. the path that I'm on right now that I'm, I'm thrilled and I pinch myself that I'm lucky enough to be here. Um, it's actually amazing the amount you know, of people that I do talk to that are just, they're already living the dream. They're already living mm-hmm. the life that they wanted to do because they're just doing everything that they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like a bit more energy as I get older, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you certainly had plenty like, of that. I used, yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> I used to be able to do a lot more. I used to ride, you know, at five in the morning before I jumped on a plane to go judge somewhere and yeah, then come yeah. back. And I still do. I still judge all day. People think I'm insane. I get up at four in the morning and I go judge all day and I come <laughs> home and I ride three or four horses <laughs> in the afternoon on a Sunday. Yep. But I love it, you know. Yeah, it's what I'm. Yeah. It's what I want to do. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, can you sum yep. up your philosophy into a lesson today? Yeah. Look, the aim of my training system is I've talked a lot about supplements. You hear me talk mm-hmm. a lot. Yes. I use that word quite a lot. So I'm looking for mental and physical supplements, you know, looking for resistance patterns, breaking them down, and developing confidence in both the horse and the rider. And through that way of going then to produce movements which showcase the expression of the natural paces of the horse and demonstrate improve that that natural balance of the horse. So to produce competition movements without riding over the top of anything, you know, to really go to that core, that foundation and say, mm-hmm. I want to become and grow in each thing that you're producing. You know, to look at each movement as it is in a dressage test with an individual movement, but to string them together by this high quality and pace. Yep, yep. All right. I think that pretty much is explained and covered a lot of what you've talked about. You know, just summarised it all, talked about it. That's good. Now, Kristen, how can people contact you? You can find me, Cloth and Dressages, on Facebook. Yep. The website I keep promising will be up, but I'm very slack. I'm riding too many horses to come to <laughs> don't want to do that. But it's it's in the works. You can contact me on my mobile, which is zero four zero five one three four eight double four or email, which is Kristen at gmail dot com. Okay. So and those either of those two ways yep. and Facebook are fine, yeah. Okay. And those contact details will be up on our website too, which will be horsechats.com slash Kristen Clausen. And we might get your website when it's ready to go. If you can give us those details, we'll have that up as well. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> in, in your spare time when you're not riding and training and judging yeah. and doing everything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been judging calm down this time of year, so I'm yes. like, okay, this is a great time. Let's do it. <laughs> and then you get busy doing something else. Yep, yep. Well, yeah. Kristen, lovely to talk yeah. to you today. Hopefully we'll catch up again sometime soon. Thank you so much, Glenna. <laughs> Thank it's a you. pleasure. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.